Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, Research Analyst with Money Markets here with your weekly Bull and the Bear podcast. Now, if you haven't already, I do want to make sure you have subscribed to our YouTube channel. You'll find uh, great new features with Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, uh, Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore, and myself each and every week. We've also created a new membership program on our channel that gives you exclusive cannabis market information, stocks, interviews, and news uh, that we provide uh, each and every week as well. Uh, if you uh, want to do that, uh, you want to check more into that, just click the join button down below and you can find out uh, what all is offered in our membership program. I do want to make sure you are checking out our website, moneymarkets.com, every day for safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable investment information for you. Uh, sign up for our uh, free daily e-letter. You'll get all that information sent to your inbox for free seven days a week. Our team works very hard to provide you with all that information to bolster uh, your portfolio and your profits. Now, when you check the website, like I said, make sure you sign up for that free daily e-letter. Uh, and now on with today's podcast. Now, today I'm going to talk about an upcoming IPO uh, and tell you whether it's a buy or not. And, and I'm going to go over uh, a recent YouTube poll that we put out. We put out these polls just about every week. So I want to make sure that I uh, let you all know how how the performance uh, went on that. So, but first I'm going to start with the IPO and I want to preface everything uh, by telling you two things. One, I'm not really a big fan of investing in IPOs right out of the gate. Uh, there's a limited supply of shares that are typically offered here because insiders have uh, a bulk of the shares that are that are going to be out. Uh, so that drives up the demand for these shares uh, compared to a much lower supply. And thus, you typically see uh, prices pop for an IPO at the start because that demand is so high and the supply is so low. So it kind of is a it's not necessarily an accurate gauge of what, of what a company's performance should or should not be when an IPO launches. And also, I do kind of have a bit of an interest in this company, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. Now, despite not having a solid date for its initial public offering launch, there's been much ballyhoo made over the trading app Robinhood's IPO. Now, the company confidentially filed its paperwork with the Securities and Exchange Commission back in March, but its IPO date still hasn't really been set yet. It's still up in the air in terms of when it may or may not be, probably within the next month or so, but it's uh, still uh, too hard to say when that date might be. Now, the company is an ad, it offers an app uh, that allows traders to buy and sell equities, uh, cryptocurrency, and options with zero commission fees and no minimum account balance. So basically, you go to the app, you sign up, and you're able to fund your account however much you want. Uh, and you can start trading almost instantaneously. Now, it was a big hit with everyday regular investors. Now, including me, because I actually started a Robinhood account just a couple of years after it launched. So that's where my uh, my interest in the company is. It's not that I own it or have insider information or anything like that. It's just that I used to uh, have an account with Robinhood uh, back, in, uh, back in the day a couple of years ago. Now, since launching in 2015, Robinhood went from about 500,000 users within the first month of its launch to around 18 million users in 2021. That's what they have to date. That's a 3,500% increase in users in just the last six years. Now, you'll notice the big jump, a big jump happened between 2020 and 2021, and that's when the platform went from about 13 million users to 18 million users. Now, a big reason for this uh, is due to the surge of what we like to call meme stocks. These are stocks uh, like GameStop, 
and AMC. And, and the reason why they're called meme stop, stocks is not because they're actual memes. It's because interest in those stocks were driven by Reddit users and retail investors, which are investors like everyday investors, not big uh, market makers, uh, which is the perfect demographic for Robinhood users. They, uh, their platform very much caters to the everyday uh, investor just investing in a few stocks or, or building out a, a portfolio on their own and not wanting to sink thousands upon thousands of dollars in the portfolio. Now, and it led to an explosion in Robinhood's top line revenue. Uh, in 2015, the company uh, had about 2.9 million in total revenue, and that ballooned to 959 million in 2020. That's a whopping 33,000% increase in revenue. And it's important to point out that Robinhood makes a bulk of its revenue from a process called payment for order flow. Uh, what this means is that when you, the average trader on Robinhood, place a trade on the app, it's not executed instantaneously. Robinhood sends the trade to a larger entity. Uh, in, in some cases, you might be more familiar with like, the, with like Citadel. Uh, and the larger entity can then leverage thousands of orders all at once uh, to an advantage. And then Robinhood then gets compensated by the larger entity for the orders that it places. Uh, but even with the massive increase in revenue, uh, Robinhood has actually still operated at a loss. Now, for the first three months of 2020, uh, the company earned uh, generated about $127 million in top-line revenue. However, marketing, uh, transaction expenses, operations, and technology uh, cost the company around $179 million. Uh, that's a loss in net income of about $52 million. Now, for the first three months of 2021, those losses were actually even greater. Uh, Robinhood reported total revenue of $522 million, uh, but losses and plus a big change in fair value of convertible notes generated losses of $1.4 billion. Now, the fair changes, the changes in fair value uh, is not an everyday occurrence, uh, but it was a huge hit to Robinhood's bottom line. Another concern here is going back to the height of the meme stock craze. Uh, Robinhood actually uh, halted trading of GameStop and BlackBerry stock. Uh, traders initially could only hold or sell their positions in these companies. So uh, you can just kind of imagine the millions in potential profit by retail investors looking to buy those stocks, but they couldn't. Uh, so it was kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths, including me. I, I look at that and I, I kind of got soured on it a little bit. I didn't really think that really was speaking to the platform's uh, initial uh, rationale. Uh, but because Robinhood makes money uh, from larger trading firms like Citadel, the belief was that Robinhood halted trading of those stocks because Citadel, who would be considered a market maker, told them to do so. Uh, and now to me, if you're going to operate as an open platform, it needs to be exercised in just about every aspect of the business, including the core, which in this case is trading. If you're going to open trading, open trading. Don't close it off uh, for, for whatever reason. Uh, another thought was that uh, you know, Robinhood didn't really necessarily have the cash to cover all the trades that were being made. That may be. It's hard to say, and I don't want to make an accusation because I don't really know. I know what the company says. I know what people think, think happened. Uh, and there's probably somewhere in the middle is what actually happened. Um, but also consider that Robinhood recently tanked its plans to expand in the UK and Australia last year because uh, there's more competition in free trade accounts and the UK has also banned payment for order flow uh, as a, a means to make revenue. And that's how Robinhood makes a lot of its money in the, in the US. So you have to consider that despite its growth, Robinhood still pales in comparison to its competitors. As of 2020, Robinhood only had about $80 million in assets under management. Compare that with Charles Schwab, which has $3.8 billion in assets under management. Additionally, the average size of an account on Robinhood is only about $3,500 compared to the average account size of $240,000 on Charles Schwab. Now, I know that's not necessarily a, a big telling indicator because Robinhood is supposed to tailor to smaller investors.
So it's not uncommon uh, that that is the case. But despite all that, to me, the biggest issue is the payment for order flow model. Um, we saw this with meme stocks that, that put Robinhood in a corner and basically beholden to larger market makers at the cost of retail investors. Now, whether that was necessarily the case or whether Robinhood actually halted because of cash coverage issues, uh, either way, it still raises a red flag for me as far as the business operation. If a larger trading firm, however, wants Robinhood to halt trading of a stock because it would put the larger entity in a bad financial position, Robinhood's almost forced to do so as it has revenue at stake here. So um, even if it didn't happen, there is the possibility that it could happen. And, and that's kind of an issue for me. And it means that the everyday investor like you or me is going to pay the price for that. And I'm not a big fan of that. And that's not what Robinhood was marketed to do. So all that really uh, suggests to me that it's not really a great investment. It's not a bad concept. And I would be remiss if I didn't give Robinhood credit for pushing larger trading platforms like E-Trade and TD Ameritrade and things like that into zero fee trading. It's kind of how we got to where we are today is because Robinhood kind of set the tone and saw great success from it. So other trading houses, so they don't lose customers, uh, you know, kind of jumped on that bandwagon and that's where we are now. So Robinhood has done good um, uh, in terms of all that. Plus they've opened up a trading app uh, that is accessible to everyone, which is great. However, again, the business model is a concern for me. I think it makes larger investment firms like Citadel and other trading companies like that uh, much more in control of how Robinhood does its business. Uh, and it's really just not an IPO that I would want to invest in because of its losses and the business practice that seems to go against what the platform is for. So that's kind of my take on Robinhood. Uh, if you agree or disagree, that's fine. Comment in the comments below. I'm, I'm totally open to criticism. If you think I'm wrong, that's fine. Everyone has an opinion and, and I certainly am welcome to hearing yours. Um, now, I do want to look at the results from our latest poll on YouTube. Last week, we asked whether you thought growth stocks or value stocks were going to lead the way in the second half of 2021. And overwhelmingly, 61% of you said that growth stocks would surge ahead. Uh, and, and Matt, not me, uh, actually commented and had a good point. And he said, it's much more nuanced than growth versus value, in my opinion. And the answers will be uh, mixed in that framework. Companies that are pivoting from the industrial age to the digital age will do well and continue to do so. Um, so, and I agree with that. I think that that's a valid point that Matt makes. Now, thank you for everyone who posted uh, on our poll. We do try to do that every week. So, uh, and remember, you know, to kind of pivot back to that last week, in last week's podcast, I told you about the correlation between interest rates and the performance of growth and value stocks. The lower the 10-year treasury uh, yield is, the more apt investors are looking at growth stocks because their future cash flows are actually worth more when interest rates are lower. Well, as of this recording, the yield on the 10-year treasury note is about 1.37%, which is up a bit from last week, but still nowhere near the highs of 1.7, 1.74% from back in March. And as such, growth stocks, which I use SPYG, are up about 17.4% since March, while value stocks, which I use the, uh, the, the ETF SPYV, uh, are only up about 5%. So you can see there's a great divergence uh, between growth stocks and value stocks as we move ahead with lower interest rates. Now, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Uh, just head over to youtube.com if you're listening to this as a podcast and search Money and Markets. Find the green bull and bear. Make sure you are subscribed and get notified each and every time you post, we post a new video. If you're on YouTube, great. Appreciate that. You can listen to us as a traditional podcast as well. Uh, you can do that by finding your favorite podcast indicator, whether that's Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We were on uh, several platforms. Just find that. Uh, and the same thing applies. Make sure you subscribe, get notified each every time we put out a, a new podcast. On the video side, you can check out our new video series, Ask Adam Anything. I get to sit down with Adam O'Dell each and every week, our chief investment strategist, and ask him any question you want. Uh, it's, uh, it's great. You can uh, put those questions to us by emailing us at feedback at moneyandmarkets.com. 
Com. Charles Sizemore has a, a video series called Investing with Charles. Uh, he gives you his take on different stocks. We're going to uh, kind of revamp things a, a little bit and, and relaunch his video series here coming up soon. So you want to check that out. All that is on YouTube. And don't forget about our new membership community on YouTube. It gives you exclusive content related to the cannabis market, which goes in line with my uh, marijuana market update we put out each and every week. It includes interviews, company breakdowns, advanced insight to our cannabis watch list. I've released a couple new things uh, as well this week uh, that uh, will help you uh, invest in the cannabis market. So you want to check all that out. Just click join down below and you'll find out more about that. Now, uh, also, uh, if you have a question or particular stock that you'd like us to take a look at in any of our video series, you can email us at feedback at moneyandmarkets.com, that email address right below here. And uh, we'd love to take a look at what you have to say and what you'd like us to take a look at. Head over to moneymarkets.com, sign up for our free daily e-letter. We give you a safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable investment information seven days a week delivered to your inbox for free. We've got a lot more coming up next week. I want to encourage you to uh, check out all the great content we have on Money Markets, on YouTube, on our po on your podcast indicator. We've got a lot of great investment information that we're, uh, we, we have out already and we're working on uh, for the future. Until then, this is Money Markets Research Analyst and host of the Bull Bear Podcast, Matt Clark, wishing you all safe trading. You've been listening to the Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 